I feel like singing right now, but I know I shouldn't, but I feel like singing. It's the end of 2020. If you're listening right now and you're in 2021, don't worry. There's a lot that you're going to take out of this. And we're going to talk about uh, not just the year recap, what we learned from the year, but a whole bunch of stuff that's going to help you next year succeed in real estate. Whether you're in the agent, whether you're getting into the market or whether you're an investor, there is going to be so much packed information in here. And I feel like if I started singing right now, uh, I'm not going to leave the year on a very positive note for you guys. So in the meantime, I'll sing in my head and uh, make sure to let you guys focus on listening to this episode, uh, maybe by... Uh, a hot fire with a loved one. Um, you can listen to our sultry voices. No, I hope you're not doing that. I hope you guys aren't just at the gym on your commute or spending some time with the family and just looking for a bit more education. So this episode, Dean, Derek, and myself, we're the partners here at Thrive Mortgage Co. Broke down uh, like the, the year, the year. And we can't ignore the number one story of the year, which was the pandemic. But there are so many sub stories that came up and there were so many opportunities and there were so many misses and there's just so much to talk about. So we're going to break this down from our business to our clients, to our partners, to the market, to the interest rates, you name it, everything that happened this year and everything that you need to know going forward as to what could impact you next year. A few predictions, uh, some interesting accounts of things that we didn't expect that hit and um, yeah, just a whole lot more education information. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. We had a lot of fun making it and when we did it, it was definitely one that allowed us to really reflect back at this incredible year. But before I get into it, I must read a review. No, this review comes from actually, uh, this is who, so cool to see. He's, he's a friend of ours. Uh, Mr. Nick Niaxo left us a five-star review and he said, uh, guys are full of knowledge and advice. When it comes to lending, this team is absolutely incredible. There's so much knowledge and expertise in each episode. Thank you for sharing this to the world. We actually hope to get Nick on the show sometime in the future. So it's awesome to see that he's enjoying the show as well. Uh, thanks Nick for leaving the review and guys, listen, the only price for admission for us to continue to educate you guys and stay up late when we're filming these episodes is just leave us a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, we'd love your feedback and we'd love if you could share this information with someone else that you know that might like this. Check out our new podcast account if you haven't done so already on Instagram at the YVR Remo Show. Again, we're on YouTube as Thrive Mortgage Co. And of course, if you need any assistance now or in the future with your mortgage financing, make sure to reach out to us because we want to take care of you. Guys, enjoy the episode. We'll talk to you soon. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Uh, again, as we talked about in the intro here, this the episode right here is a little bit of a recap of 2020, but we're going to do a lot more than that in this episode. We're going to break through specifically what the opportunities were this year and what we learned from it, um, what we did about it, what we're looking uh, at going forward in the future, uh, some, some tips and tricks that we might have picked up along the way. It's just a good recount that's going to really impact next year, just kind of walking you through it. So, I mean, where do we start here? I mean, let's just, I mean, we talked a little bit of the podcast. We're going we're gonna to speak on that for a quick second. I mean, we have been running this podcast now for about a year and sharing obviously a lot of good information with people based on the feedback that we've been getting. And it's just really starting to gain steam at the end of the year, year right now. We stepped into this not knowing at all what the heck we were going to do other than we wanted to be the most transparent and open um, communicators on the market as far as lending is concerned. We were super tired of the fluff 
that you usually get the sales uh, pitches and so forth. And we wanted to focus on breaking down those topics and, and putting people that, that could really educate our clients in the community in front of the microphone, which was pretty cool. I mean, I feel awesome about it. How do you guys feel? I agree, man. We talked to some pretty incredible people along the way. Um, some of the, some of the interviews, I, I, I learned something from every one of those interviews. Yeah. And over and above like meeting and, and working and getting to interview a lot of, you know, top agents and, and business people and, and a lot of people of, you know, good nature. We've actually helped a ton of people too, like people who are thinking about getting into the market or people who are thinking about that investment property. You know, I think we had a conversation probably eight months ago and we were kind of questioning whether this was worth our time and did it make sense and should we keep doing it? Um, and now that we've been in this for a year, you know, we've got a ton of people reaching out with really good feedback tons of people letting us know that it's been helpful. So to hear that kind of stuff, it definitely makes it all worth it for sure. Um, we went through some pretty crazy tech issues <laughs> for the first yeah. six months, but we've got it uh, pretty dialed in now. Or we're getting there. Yeah, for for anybody who doesn't know, we have uh, we call him Mr. DJ Paul on our team behind the scenes who helps us out with the podcast and gets this thing up and recording. He likes to stay up until uh, 2 a.m. to work on the podcast for us. So we have a whole lot of fun when things change and happen last minute. Paul's dedicated to us that, that 2021 is going to be the year of the podcast that shows up on time every time. Uh, but yeah, going back on that, like Derek, to your point, I think the coolest thing is that, you know, throughout the year, there's some things that we learned. Uh, first and foremost, we have a huge base of real estate agents that love to listen to our podcast some some people that we know and we work with and other people we you know we don't know but they're finding value from it which was really interesting and i had a number of people reach out to me personally i know you guys did as well in the real estate community that said that listening to our podcast really helped them to educate their consumers their clients their their people if you will and i thought that was really really uh really cool very passionate about educating people and like you mentioned dean like a lot of people just reaching out to us and just saying hey how do i work with you so uh, on that note, um, we're going to obviously have some big things going down into 2021. Lots of the same, but lots of new stuff, which is really, really exciting and just going to keep giving back to you guys. So let's get uh, let's get back to our recount of the year. So kind of going forward. So the, the framework that we took here, if you are wondering how we're going to talk about this today is we're going to walk through um, kind of five categories of the year. Like we like to break things down. So we're going to talk about, uh, the, the, obviously we have to talk about the number one thing of the year, which is COVID the pandemic crazy enough. Like one of our first podcasts of the year was about what might happen if the coronavirus impacted us and then boom, obviously you know the rest. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but we'll, we'll break down to where those opportunities still are. Uh, lenders, guidelines, changes, um, product changes, like that was huge in our community that year and that impacts everyone. Uh, again, going back to the specifics of the pandemic and more after the fact, like the ricochet, the after effect, if you will. Uh, and, and then just the market as a whole, whether it's uh, as a consumer, as a real estate agent, or as a, as a real estate investor, no matter where you're at, really, really uh, going to be key for us to, to kind of walk you through what happened. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of end off with that because we're going to walk into the end of the year where we are today. So, I mean, let's just get into it, guys. January, uh, again, we talked about it. We were we were a little bit uh, kind of quiet. End of 2019 was actually shockingly still pretty slow. We didn't really know where things were going, but we kind of like felt like there was a little bit of a bubble there. Things were going to happen. And by no way did we have any idea that pandemic was going to be what it was. Uh, and we actually had, as, a, as a, a company, relatively quiet months for funding. Uh, next, yeah, was, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to touch on that because it was an interesting time. It was it was definitely a slow time for for fundings, 
but we were seeing that uptick in, in inquiries and applications coming in. So we were, we were primed for a, for a, a real quick uh, out-of-the-gate spring, which is what we saw, right? No question. No question. Things just really, really were primed to take off, which was interesting. But again, we'd kind of see, I think the best way, the way that I would explain that, uh, and we've seen that obviously throughout the course of the year, it was almost like this, this bubble was filling up because we had people reaching out for months, but it was just ah, not the right time, not the right time, not the right time, not the right time. And then, you know, January was quieter. You know, we saw people reaching out. Some people were closing, but the, the, the detached market was still a little bit slow. February and March, obviously the end of February, and from my recollection, when I was looking back at my emails and numbers there, was when things really took a shift. Um, Derek, what was your recount of uh, kind of February and what that looked like? Yeah, it was, uh, I remember we were getting jam-packed with applications and new clients coming on board and, and we were really prepping for this really busy spring market. And then in March, when the pandemic hit, like, nobody knew it was going to happen. Right. Like I remember us having some pretty uncertain conversations and we were bringing on staff and we didn't know if that was the right move. We thought that our market was going to crash. Like there was literally conversations, articles out there that our real estate market was going to hit the tanks. Our business was going to drop and we were kind of preparing for that. Right. And then I think what we didn't think about was that the interest rates would drop dramatically, which would fuel what we're seeing now. So um, there was definitely some fear there. And I think going into that market, I mean, we as business owners and human beings, we felt that uncertainty, we felt that fear. And our whole kind of mindset was to help our clients understand what they can do with their property and help our agents and our partners understand what they can do through real estate to protect themselves through that time. Yeah, it's funny because we were going from a heavy push to, hey, here's what you can do to upsize, you know, here are all these great, great reasons to get into the market, get excited about the market. We did start seeing the rates come down before like the pandemic hit us. It was already starting to come down. So there was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of activity. And then boom, you know, the, the pandemic occurs, we get locked down and it's like just the change of tune, right? Rates continue to plummet. And then there was that weird, you know, weird point in time where they came down and then they skyrocketed right back up in April. It was just a really... It was just some crazy disruption that the I, I would say the three of us have never seen anything like it in the in our history of uh, being in this uh, industry, right? Yeah. So so uh, you know March is obviously when when things started to get really interesting. Mid March, um, uh, when the lockdown occurred, obviously was towards the end of the month there. And uh, going back to that point, Dean, we had about a two week window I, again right after we did that podcast where it was like interest rates are going down. We were talking about at that time, we had done probably, I think, eight to 10 presentations, uh, either online, virtual with our partners, with our clients on why now was the best time to upsize like two weeks before that and, and leading up to that because interest rates did come down. We were talking about refinancing and uh, there was a gap and then boom, lockdown. We, we were sitting there holding our hands like, what are we going to do? And I think the biggest thing that threw us off and it threw me off, so I'll speak for myself here, was that was that interest rates just just went right up. Uh, and I don't like to use that skyrocket term per se, but it bumped up quite a bit uh, compared to where it was going because we were trended, trending downwards. And obviously, a lot of that had to do with the uncertainty in the marketplace and what was happening. And a lot of lenders just, oh my goodness, what could even happen here? So they're protecting themselves from from that that standpoint and that literally put a halt on the market can you guys remember in the end of march how much like how many phone calls we were getting like could not keep up to the emails and phone calls it took days to get back to people at that point um man i just remember we were up till like 11 12 o'clock at night starting at 6 a.m the next day and you could not stop fielding the calls and emails which 
crazy crazy people were were very scared and it's we were all uh, not really certain of what was happening and uh, to see those rates come back up it was it was almost like the lenders were just feeling what we were feeling and they're so busy it was like hey you know it was almost like a measure of hey let's raise rates to just slow down because it was so crazy right but uh, yeah definitely some interesting times and it was quite uh the back end of that and and seeing the rates drop again and, and continue to drop to this day is yeah just unprecedented the crazy part is like i was actually talking to a client the other day and he was caught in the middle of a renewal right when rates went up and he chose to lock in his rate kind of in the middle because nobody knew if it was going to stop are they going to continue to go up are they going to fall back down so this guy locked into a mortgage a five-year fixed mortgage at probably the highest point possible right but with the uncertainty of not knowing like why are rates rising right so i mean that's only one client that i've spoken with out of hundreds in the last six months that was caught in that but i'm sure there's a lot of people that were kind of stuck in the middle of that situation well it we're in like what a lot of people consider a refinance boom for multiple reasons mostly right now for for the purpose of breaking your interest rate to get a lower interest rate but during that time during march you know end of march april and may People were thinking, I need to refinance. I need safety funds. I need, I need cash if I lose my job. Like it was just like a totally different mindset of why they're refinancing. Like yes, the rates were going down, but like, I mean, they were still at two point two, two point three around that time. We're now at like one point five, like one point five five interest rates. Like it's crazy. So like just the reasoning of why this refinance boom was happening then and now, it's like it's completely different, right? Like the the mindset is completely different. Yeah. So, so to your point about that, you know, recounting again, that would have been early, mid April. What we did about uh, during that time is we spent a lot of energy. In fact, we hired somebody <laughs> the day of the pandemic. Uh, you know, obviously we had, we had, you know, found her just before that. Uh, and we literally put her 100% on, uh, on, on, uh, I don't know if you want to call it COVID duty, but she was basically just making sure that every one of our clients was taken care of. And it was the best thing we ever did because we ended up having a lot of great conversations and a lot of opportunities uh, came from that. So you touched on Dean, you know, refinancing, how that started to become a thing for, for the reason of, um, you know, safety and security and accessing funds. But let's move forward a little bit here into April when we kind of wrapped our head around two weeks of, okay, we know where we're at. We see rates kind of slowly coming back down again. We talked to our clients. You know, we started spending a lot of our energy, tons of our energy on pure education. For a three-week period, we were doing lives. Uh, we had uh, we actually had Sherry Cooper on the podcast during that timeline, which was incredible. Uh, nationally recognized economist willing to spend her time with us, educating people about what was happening at that time, making us feel a little bit better about what was going on, but having no idea where the market was going to go. And then, of course, uh, educating our investors. And I, I did I do know what we did this because we we're listening to podcasts and reminding them, get that cash out, pull that equity out. And that was kind of the end of April there when we started to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Fast forward a little bit, guys, and, uh, you know, right into May, June, we, I mean, and June to today, the market has been just on fire, uh, early indications. So, so those people that got their money out and uh, started looking at making those uh, purchases or those upsize really benefited, benefited for being on top of the, uh, on top of the trend or bottom of the trend, sorry, right before it hit. 
For sure. And I mean, we saw, we did a lot of presentations on the move up, like getting out of strata and into detached. And I think something that everybody kind of forgot when the pandemic hit was the strata insurance issues, like massive, massive issues that were lingering. So we helped a lot of our clients, you know, recognize that with the lower interest rates, they could get out of a strata property, get into detached, no more strata with a basement suite for very similar, if not less cost. And actually, when we run those reports nowadays, they're typically coming out quite a bit ahead because rates have fallen even further, right? So that's been a huge push. We've seen a ton of people moving away from the city, right, with everyone's beginning to be able to work from home. Um, you know, big law firms, stuff like that are, are going completely remote. People have the ability to move to the island or the Okanagan or Chilliwack, right? They don't have to rent a condo in Vancouver for $4,000 a month. They can actually afford to purchase something that they'd like. So we've helped a lot of people kind of moving away from the city. And I understand that the downtown core condo market has been fairly slow, actually. So it's obviously somewhat being hit by this. Um, so that's been pretty interesting to see that as well. Yeah, let's like, like let's stop on that for a quick sec there. Like, let's just okay. So so moving on the conversation, the exodus, people moving out to different cities, and I don't I know Dean, you had a thought on this, so definitely uh, jump in there. But our our business that was one of the biggest changes to our business and the way that people were thinking going into the summer. Uh, I'd say mid to end summer was when we really started realizing this, and we'll talk about technology in a bit here. But um, we were we were moving people all over the place. All over the place, even across the country. But mostly they were leaving, let's say, Vancouver and going island, Okanagan, up north, all that stuff. It was crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's some people that just simply were looking at their life like, okay, I'm going to be in my house for how, who knows how long. Like, I'm, I'm, on, I'm in quarantine. I'm on lockdown. We don't know. Like, at that time, there was talks of another wave coming, which we're now seeing. We're in another wave. Like a lot of people that, hey, they maybe lived in, in the Fraser Valley already, but it was in a smaller home and their goal was to buy maybe a rental home where, or, or, or some other investment where now it's like, you know what, I'm getting the single family home. I'm going to have the nice patio. I'm going to have the, the, the awesome office downstairs. And they, it was just like, I'm creating my sanctuary at home. So I saw a lot of upsides from just people simply wanting more because they're stuck at home and they've created a, you know, a totally different lifestyle where they're happy with that. I, I even went through a lot of that myself, like not that I upgraded my home or upsized my home, but I certainly upgraded it. I certainly started investing in my home and starting putting, you know, things into my home that I knew I was going to want if I'm going to be stuck here. Right. So it's just kind of an, a, just a really interesting mindset shift there where people were preparing to be home a lot more. For sure. That's why there's lineups out the door at Home Depot every day. <laughs> tip of the day don't go to don't go to home depot during the the weekend or the daytime only at eight o'clock at night um so so let's move forward a little bit um on that topic we talked a lot and we were educating consumers about hey listen there are again we're going back to may when we were talking about this but we were talking to people about pulling that equity out and looking at those second homes and looking at those uh, vacation homes and the vacation properties to look at where that rental income could come from. We knew that, you know, Airbnbs took a really big hit and they and they will for a little bit here until things are sorted out. But long term, with so many people staying so close to home, we're gonna see that continued investment in in BC or wherever the heck you are, 
into those vacation properties. So it's still a good asset to hold and it makes a ton of sense. So we did see a lot of our clients and action takers get out there and add those properties to their portfolio that could either be a second property, a vacation property and keep their home. That was massive during the timeline and actually continues to be that way. But for sure in that midsummer timeline. On, on that piece, I've talked to a lot of clients talk to some financial partners that we have. And we've seen a lot of clients sell property that they owned in the US. So the US, a lot of the, the you know, the, the Sunbelt states have seen a crazy market boost as well. And so we've seen a lot of our clients sell their vacation home in Palm Desert, Arizona, because they can't go. Market's crazy, sold in one day. And now they're buying here in Whistler, Kelowna. They're buying their vacation homes here because it's, uh, they know they can use it, right? Um, they again this this whole pandemic it's you know yes we're going to get over it but a lot of people are thinking well when's the next one maybe coming right like what who knows right so just having that control of that vacation property being being in your own backyard so to speak you know in the province has been a big thing for a lot of people yeah, and we'll we'll bring. Actually, we have intentions on bringing on someone. Uh, uh, actually, a few people from the U.S. to have a little bit of a conversation here. But there is a lot of money making the way, there, its way north, and it continues. We've had more applications uh, internally from U.S.-based uh, clients or clients that are coming from the U.S. to Canada. Than I'd say we had more applicants over the course of the year than I've ever had in my entire career. Uh, in this uh, single year, specifically after the spring occurred. And that is a trend I don't expect to uh, go away. So that was a big piece. So let's let's get into just lender uh, guidelines and market things. I don't think we just spend too much time on this, but there was a big shift uh, after the pandemic where they reacted to you know what happened. And there still continues to be a lot of adaptation today. Uh, lender changes and adaptation are something that's not really new in our industry, but on on a, on a dime to make that many changes was, was absolutely insane uh i'll just start it off with a perfect example with one of our key lenders in the credit unions uh quite literally just said hey we're not doing rentals we're not doing uh anything longer than 25 years we're not even taking files unless they're an existing client of ours and we're talking about this was a one of the top three you know credit unions in bc that decided to do this uh, just just on a dime it was gone and the challenge there is you had clients that were were pre-approved and shopping looking to buy real estate based on certain guidelines that no, now it, maybe their program didn't fit somewhere else. Maybe it wasn't even an option. Uh, that was one of my biggest experiences right off the bat. I can remember that very vividly. Well, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy time. And, and then we following that, we saw another few credit unions that actually just said, we can't do any more business. Like we are done. We are not taking on any more new business. So yes, to your point, it was that major one, but like a lot of others fo followed. And, and there was a time, there's a period of time where we were, we were concerned, like, who else is going to go, right? Yeah, construction financing was a big one. Commercial lending, commercial lenders scaled back dramatically. Uh, residential commercial financing was pretty much put on hold from every single lender other than the banks, and the banks are not good for construction financing. So um, we actually helped quite a few clients uh, buy and build in the development in Langley. And unfortunately, their, their completion dates were pushed and pushed and pushed and this was right through the pandemic. And we had concerns going through that, that these people were not going to be able to come up with construction financing because everything was put on hold. Right. And after conversations with the lenders, it's due to risk. Right. Like, how do they want to fund a mortgage for a house that isn't built? They don't know where the value is going to be in a year when the house is actually completed. There's more risk to a lender to fund a loan like that than an existing home. Right. Um, we also saw some lenders scale back and take away unique programs. Like there were some really, really good self-employed programs that the banks were offering and they were completely stripped away. 
Uh, like Alex mentioned, you know, we had uh, some credit unions, some other banks that stopped uh, financing rental properties. We had some lenders that they would allow you to use your line of credit or equity in your home to buy a rental. That was cut off. So there were some major, major changes uh, in our market. And, you know, we always got to stay on our toes and try to adapt, but it's definitely frightening seeing that kind of stuff, right? Luckily, most of it's come back, actually. Yeah, I was just going to say on a positive note, we've seen pretty much all of it come back. We've seen those lenders that exited come back. Um, and then we've also seen new lenders enter our market. So HSBC was a big one uh, that, you know, made the made the big push to to enter the broker channel. So that was a that was a huge one. And so we've definitely seen this negativity change and we're we're looking a lot better and a lot more positive than we than we did in the in the earlier stages. With that being said, one thing on that point, uh, because I know the listeners are thinking, well, okay, well, it's all back. Um, all of the lenders and their policies and programs have now adapted and their risk premiums have changed. The way that the they work with uh, within uh, guidelines and products now is so much tighter than it used to be. Like credit, I, I'll take credit as an example. Uh, every single file that we see right now when it comes to credit is being picked to pieces. And it's not just you having, you know, it's great that you have a 720 credit score, but they're digging so far back and so deep, three, four, five years down, you know, one missed credit card payment. Did you defer your mortgage? You know, all these different factors, even though they said that deferred mortgages weren't going to impact you, they will impact you. And so, so credit uh, has become a bigger factor than ever before. And I, and I thought it was really interesting. We had Julie on a few episode, episodes ago who really broke that down. And it's going to be something you're going to have to pay attention to more and more and more and more as a borrower. Income, uh, again, another thing, if it's not black and white and really simple, they're picking it apart. I guess the resounding thing that I've learned, and I guess this, this is going to make us feel good going forward as, as mortgage brokers who have choice for our clients, is we've never had so many people who were mid-process with their bank or their credit union or their institution uh, you know, put, get into a negative situation, which again, very unfortunate and frustrating, come over to us either last minute in the middle of the process uh, or even at the beginning of the process because the information they're getting just wasn't good, wasn't accurate. There was declines, everything. And so obviously put my hands up and say like to avoid that come and talk to us first but just keep in mind it is going to be different going forward nothing is going to be exactly the same on that on that front yeah i mean we've even seen some lenders that have specifically kind of steered away from certain industries like they know that maybe the film industry or the restaurant business has been impacted right and they feel that there's a fear that if something happens again those industries are going to go away very quickly so we've seen some lenders actually scale back on specific employees in certain industries or people that run their businesses, right? So we've kind of figured out who's doing what and, and where your file might be a fit. And that goes a long way for sure. And just on the deferral thing, I mean, I think that was a massive, massive piece of going through this pandemic and all of 2020. You know, deferrals are there for a reason. And if you need them, absolutely use them. We've seen a ton. I mean, I've personally seen a ton of people that have used the deferral when they didn't need it. And then you're coming trying to buy a property three months later and it shows up on your credit bureau that you have your car loan deferred. It's not a very good look to the lender, right? The lender has to ask, well, why is it deferred? Did you get laid off? No, I didn't, right? So it kind of makes the lender start to question your application. So if you're in that position and you don't need to defer, do not defer. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, one thing we'll touch on really quickly, and I want to go too deep on this, but technology, we did see a lot of change in technology. And one of the big ones that we noticed was the uh, e-signing, the ability to e-sign. Believe it or not, a lot of people are so stunned by this, but you could not e-sign um, with particular lenders. 
as an example, you can sign all your documents to purchase the home via DocuSign or, you know, whatever other electric electronic signature you want to use. But a lot of lenders wouldn't allow that. We pretty much saw every single lender ad ad adapt really quickly and now allow us to use eSign, which has really sped up the process. It's just a lot more efficient on a number of reasons. And, and a lot of people can appreciate that. But it, that was a big one. And then uh, in addition to that uh, was the ability to do virtual signings with our lawyers. So something that was never done, no lender allowed that. Uh, previous to the pandemic. And now we have pretty much every lender accepting a virtual signing process with a lawyer. So those two changes were just monumental in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So on, on, a, on a good note, our company at, at Thrive here, we made the commitment at the beginning of the year, actually, I guess the end of last year that we were going to go even deeper on technology, setting up you know, a lot of things that are, are, are available for mortgage brokers now, but went, went a little bit deeper than I think you would typically with a big financial investment in, in portals and updated communication and a lot of online platforms and video and all that kind of stuff, which has really obviously helped us focus a lot more on that education and, and uh, wealth creation from just, hey, we are here, we're able to communicate more effectively hold your information and your data a little bit more effectively. And it's worked out pretty good because as we've learned over the course of the year, and we've gotten very close with some of our partners and a lot of the banks, they're using technology from five and you know 10 years ago, and they're only just starting to put their money into that. That's going to change a lot, I would suggest, in the next you know three to five years from the banking institutions themselves. But you know it says a lot that, that even these big multi, multi, multi-billion dollar companies still aren't taking the time and taking the consumer um, you know, choice, uh, to heart. So they're, they're chasing, we're ahead of the game, which is pretty cool. I won't bang on that drum too, too long, but you know, it's pretty cool to, to have been ahead of the uh, game there. Uh, so, so, okay, let's, let's just touch on, you know, some of the opportunities that we see and we continue to see as we move forward, uh, towards the end of the year, I, I feel like June to today was just an absolute blur. I, I blinked and it was, I was <laughs> I, we didn't take a vacation, like legit didn't even, none of us took a vacation this year because we couldn't turn our phones off. Uh, so hopefully we get Christmas day off at this point right now. But, uh, you know, I, I specifically remember a day in August and I was trying my hardest to get a Friday <laughs> at the beach. And, you know, I put my phone down for an hour and a half, uh, on the quote unquote vacation mode, get back. And there was something like 18 phone calls and seven new inquiries. Uh, even though the team's taking care of it, it was still wild to see that. Uh, so it's been, it's been crazy. It's been wild. The support's been tremendous, but the market has been uh, just through the roof. What are we? Okay, so like rounding that all up, you know, and knowing that it's been so busy, like Dean, thinking back, what are, say, maybe like the top three uh, opportunities that have been present and are still present as we, as we move forward to the end of the year and, and where you see next year? Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, the rates do keep dropping. Like we do continue to see better rates pretty much week over week. It's incredible. So there's still a huge opportunity to break your mortgage and get a better interest rate. And that's been, that's been, I'd say number one, a lot of people don't realize that even, you know, even breaking your mortgage just less than one year into a fixed term, we've seen significant saving opportunities there. So I would say that's, that's primarily number one opportunity um, in my realm of, of, of what I've seen. I was just to say number two is, um, back to the upsize piece that we talked about, right? And it's still relevant. I'd say that uh, detached homes have probably taken off a little bit more from a price point than the strata market has. So it's gonna get a little bit more challenging as we go. What we're seeing in the Valley right now is these detached homes, entry level 900 to 1.2, uh, they're flying off the market. There's very, very low inventory. So 
you know, if someone's looking to do that right now, it's definitely going to be a little bit challenging if that's the price point that you're in. But hopefully in the new year, there's going to be a flood of inventory, hopefully. Um, and that market and that opportunity will open back up for a lot of people. Yeah, good point. And a lot of that's based off of obviously uh, where the interest rates are, but people actually looking for more space and to expand into larger places. There's a legit baby boom happening right now, as we've obviously you know witnessed in our own team here. And it's but it's a real thing. Like people are are this always happens when people either get married or have babies. They're they're looking to to make a move and upsize always, right? So that's going to continue to happen here. But like from a from a specific strategy standpoint restructuring your loan key right now still look at that we do rate drop reports for every one of our clients and i'd say out of the numbers that i've been running lately i'd say about four to five of them make sense uh you know it really depends on a client in some circumstances whether or not they want to do the work but we'll be really upfront and honest and the numbers say what they say right so you have to look at it and understand but crazy thing about that piece actually is the variable rate to variable rate still makes a ton of sense so we were telling people back in uh, you know, May and uh, and even June and July, like, hey, look at the variable rate as a good solution here, because if we see rates continue to drop down, you can take advantage of that either, either by going to another variable discount or by restructuring into a fixed rate if you really want to go that route. And that has been a massive winner. So listen to your mortgage brokers. Uh, but aside aside from that, I mean, we see people right now uh, that are at 2.2, so a prime minus 35 that are getting into I don't want to say specifically every person, but like 1.4, 1.5, 1.6 on the variable rate scale. And the, the cost to do that is, you know, it's going to work out to one month savings or two months savings in interest, or sorry, that you're going to save that money in one or two months, really in many circumstances. That's been a big piece, but I, we can't understate it. And we haven't, I don't think we've stated it enough right now. The people who have taken advantage of this from an investment standpoint as well, you know, using this opportunity to keep their existing home, refinance it and see their payments actually drop by taking the money out to put on a new property. That's been pretty cool. Uh, restructuring your existing rental properties and opening up your HELOC because your payments are so much lower. So you're either A, starting to cash flow when you couldn't a couple of years ago, or B, taking that money out and buying and adding to your portfolio. That's been that's been really fun. And I still think that continues to be uh, a missed opportunity for a lot of people who hold one uh, or two properties or want to hold a second property staying on the variable like buyers so we have lots of buyers this year a lot of new purchases and the amount of people that have decided to go variable like it's been a huge push towards variable and and that i think you know it's always that really surprises people because fixed rates are so low a lot of people come in the door thinking i'm taking a fixed rate how could i not take a fixed rate it's like the lowest it's ever been i want certainty i want that fixed rate for the long term but a lot of people aren't realizing that these historical low rates we are going to probably see historical size penalties in the next two to three years. And that scares people. That is far more risky for people than taking the variable. You know, the, 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 there's always been this like stigma that the variable is risky because it could go up. And we've never seen this much transparency from the Bank of Canada, like meeting over meeting. Um, they've come out and the, and the tone has been we're not raising rates like the next two, three years. It's going to be a low interest rate market. And that certainty has given a lot of buyers confidence to go variable and and then again that fear of a large penalty average canadians you know makes a change to their mortgage or sells their home in 3.2 years the fear of that large penalty down the road is very scary and to think that we won't be back to you know the the rates that we were seeing in january february to think we won't be back there in next in the next two years we will we will get back there i mean we were still looking at 
quite low rates. You know, anything below 3% is, is a low rate. And we are going to get back there. And when we do get back there, the people that took these low fixed rates, they, they should be prepared for big penalties if something has to change. Yeah, and on the penalties, I mean, I think that's something that uh, a lot of people didn't expect with the rate drops. Really good points there. And, you know, we we run rate drop reports all day for people and we're getting we're getting penny, penalty estimates back at twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars, right? And these are for six hundred thousand dollar mortgages. Like they're not huge mortgages. They're an average size loan. Uh, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars is sometimes all the equity that people have in their homes, depending on when they bought, right? It can it can be very, very restricting. You don't want to feel like you're handcuffed by your bank. And uh, a lot of people don't realize, but when the rates drop, depending on how the lender calculates the penalty, that rate drop is actually increasing your penalty, right? So that's been something that we've been dealing with a lot lately. And it's, it's hard to have those conversations, right? Because people don't understand what it might look like when they're going to go break their mortgage. It's not a conversation that is typically active when you're dealing with your bank. They don't tell you about it because there's no way for them to properly calculate it and give you a quote until the time comes, right? Yeah, that's a, such a fantastic point. And I think that just... It just shows more and more and more and more uh, that people need to be having these conversations up front because what's one of the most common themes in uh, all this penalty talk is that in many circumstances, they were never advised or they literally had no idea or recollection that there would be a penalty if they were coming from somewhere else. That's been a big, a big piece. So that's been key to what we've been explaining. So, you know, let's wrap up and, and talk a little bit about where opportunities again go in 2021. We talked about the interest rate opportunities. We talked about the refinancing investment piece. Uh, all indications. So if you're listening to this right now, all indications are that we are still going to be in a low interest rate envi environment. Well, it depends on fixed or variable here, but let's just talk about the Bank of Canada. So variable right now, there's no indication of that going to be increasing in the near future. Even though we are seeing positivity with the vaccine, it appears that we're months, if not a year away from any major impact. So that is going to be real. In addition, we're in lockdown number two currently at the moment, which means that you know, again, we could see some really negative impacts on the economy, very negative with small businesses and local businesses, which really are the machine that runs our economy. So again, interest rates that are low are probably here to stay. If it goes up or down by a half percent, that's not really going to have a big impact on the market. Uh, it'll be when it goes up by, say, one percent or one and a half that we start to see things change. So the market's going to stay hot. We're going to still see a little bit of an exodus from people. And I think we're still going to have people that are just going to be shopping differently. So if you're looking for those opportunities right now in the real estate market and you want to play that long term game, don't be afraid to go a little bit out uh, of what people are doing right now and look for, you know, condos and city centers, maybe or you know, locations that were really hot and really vibrant pre-pandemic that are nowhere near as busy today because there will be people, especially when they migrate to Canada with all the immigration that's going to come in the next five years that, are going to, that aren't going to have known anything about any of this that will be looking to rent uh, and, uh, and enjoy space. Uh, my last thing on that point would be, you know, Dean and I were talking about this uh, last week, which is look for the new commercial city centers. Uh, there's areas like Langley that are up and coming as far as uh, new city centers and uh, they're building up new commercial areas and we're seeing communities over the next 10 years that are going to be developed in those areas not the ones that are already there but the ones that are up and coming so look for that sort of thing as far as where you're going to live and invest over and beyond that make sure to set yourself up for success by talking to people who know what they're know what they're doing that's key here anything else on that guys my piece of advice would be get off the fence right? Like a lot of people hear about this and they think about it and they think about that rental property and they think about upsizing, but nobody takes that move, right? To start the conversation. Like just so everybody knows it's free. We do all the work. 
and we will help you guys build out a plan to make it happen. So if you're even the slightest bit interested, just reach out and we can make something happen. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, planning is just number one. You got to start somewhere and planning is, is day one is, uh, is, is probably the best thing you can do. You know, you may, you may want to buy now, but, or you may want to buy in a year, but having that conversation now and, and finding out if there are any roadblocks now and how to avoid them is, yeah. is just the best way to do things and uh, make sure you're, you're set up for, for success. When listen you are to all ready. the podcasts, listen, listen to every episode, set yourself for success. We've got some resources to help you out and uh, get you going. So, Hey, we want to wish everybody listening to the podcast uh, an incredible and uh, new year. If you're listening, if you're listening to the new year, we're gonna you're, we're hoping that you're having the best 2021 ever. <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. Hey, remember, a year is not made in a day. Every day is a new chance to uh, to do something amazing, and so get out there and do it. And if we can be part of that, we're happy to take care of you guys. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.